turned up like they're supposed to be. It just seems a little dim in here this morning or this evening. Everything on? All right, maybe it's just me. James chapter 2. And we will begin reading with verse 1. Are you there? If you're there, say amen. James chapter 2 and verse 1. There we go. Let there be light. Praise God. James says this. He says, My brethren, so he's talking to us, to the believer. He said, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. For if there come into your assembly or into your church group, your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and then there come in also a poor man in vile remnant, which is dirty or unclean remnant, shabbily dressed, I guess we would say. And you have respect to him that wears the gay clothing. Now in the King James Version, the gay clothing, we need to clarify that's not talking about homosexuals there. Um, they, didn't, they didn't use that word in, the, in 1611 for... Uh, this, for homosexuality, but that word gay means fine or, or um, um, sp- you know, very, very glamorous type of clothing or expensive clothing. And so you have respect to him that wears the, the, the fine clothing, and you say to him, sit here in a good place. Then you say to the poor, stand over there or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves and are become judges of evil thoughts? Or, in other words, become judges um, with evil thoughts. In other words, James is saying here that if we do that, if we have partiality, we show partiality, we show preference to one person over another because of their social status or because of their appearance, then we are, that's an evil thing to do. It's not pleasing to the Lord. It's an evil thought. So he said in verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor? I love that. Has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which He has promised to them that love Him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seat, do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called? If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, and here's the royal law, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. But if you have respect to persons, notice this, you commit sin. If you have respect to persons, you commit sin, and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So let's try to unpack this a little bit here tonight and see what James is talking about. And uh, I want to I talk to you tonight about the sin of being a snobby saint. <laughs> we don't want to be a snobby saint, do we? Now, you know, we've been talking here from the book of James, and the book of James is 
Um, he wrote this epistle. It's very, a very, very practical epistle. And I made mention of the fact that James is even kind of, some have referred, some Bible scholars and theologians have referred to this book of James as the book of Proverbs of the New Testament because it is a wisdom book. And um, there is a lot of wisdom in this epistle of James. And it's actually an epistle about living right. And it deals, James in this epistle, he deals with eternal life and uh, how, to ha- how we should have eternal life, but he also deals with external life. And I believe that if you have the, the eternal life, it'll show up in an external life. It will, it will show up on the outside. And so James here, he's teaching practical Christianity throughout this epistle. And, uh, you know, what we believe is important. Would you agree with that? You can believe the wrong thing, and if you believe the wrong thing, you can really be messed up. So what we believe is very important, but also how we behave and how we live our life is equally important as well. And so James was dealing with very practical things here in this, in this epistle, and especially here in this second chapter of James, he begins to deal with a situation that, and a problem that was occurring in the church during his time and in his day. And it was a problem with snobby saints. It was a problem with uh, partiality being shown. It was a problem with um, prejudice that had come into the church. And how many knows that that's never a right thing to be in in a church? Now, I'm not saying there's any of that. Praise God here at Abundant Life Family Church. I pray not because, you know, we don't don't want to have any any, um, prejudice against anybody. And so... Um, here in James, in, in this early church, and the people that James was dealing with, um, he was dealing with a situation where people were being treated according to their social status by the leadership of the church. Now, you know, and, and um, the, by the amount of money that a person had, or by their popularity, or by the kind of clothes that they wore. Are you with me? And uh, so the Holy Spirit, and there could be a number of other things, but we'll get into a few things that he mentions here. But the Holy Spirit, through James here, deals with the problem of prejudice in the church. And so the first thing that we want to notice here that James teaches and that he says is he talks about the, the prohibiting of prejudice in the church and in the body of Christ. Prejudice has to be prohibited within the church. Can I get an amen? Now, um, he, notice what he says in verse number one of that second chapter. And I'm just going to teach a little bit tonight and try to save my voice. Pray for me. I've got that stupid thing going on again with my, with my throat. And uh, so, so pray for me. But, so I'll give you, a, real, I'll give you a, a, a quiet, calm sermon tonight, all right? So notice what he says in verse number 1 in James 2. He says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. With respect to persons. Now what is he talking about when he says 
don't have respect to persons. Well, actually, the, 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 the Greek term that is used there uh, means to judge by appearance with favor or to favor somebody's appearance or circumstance. You know, we've, how many has ever heard the phrase, you can't judge a book by its cover? Isn't that right? Well, um, but you know, we all have had, we, have you, can you think of people that you've met and that you, for the first time, and just immediately you had, uh, you had thoughts about them, or you, or you developed um, an opinion about them immediately just by the way they looked, or maybe by the way they were dressed, or um, something like that. And that's what James is talking about, to, to judge somebody by their appearance or by their situation with favor to favor them or to disfavor them, to have partiality for certain people. Now, the Bible tells us that the, that the Lord, God, the Bible says in, in 1 Samuel 16 and 7 that man looks on the outward appearance, but God, where does God look? He looks on the heart, amen. So you can't tell what's in a person's heart by, by looking at their appearance. Now, I'm not talking about what kind of fruit they bear. I'm not talking about their lifestyle or anything like that. You can tell what's in a person's heart if they're living an ungodly lifestyle. Jesus isn't in there, okay? But you can't, by, just by their outward appearance, you can't judge somebody of whether they, whether they love the Lord or not, whether they know the Lord or not, or anything else. But, but God looks on the heart. God knows what's in that person's heart. Amen. Regardless of what they look like on the outside. That's the way we have to look at things is, as the way God would look at things. So uh, James is teaching here that we cannot get involved in, in favoritism or judging somebody simply because of their social standing or the way they're dressed or whether they're, uh, you know, whether they're, whether they're uh, well-off financially or not so well-off financially. See, faith, that kind of favoritism and prejudice and partiality will destroy the unity of a church. How many knows that? And that's why James is teaching against it here. And the Bible, all through the Bible, teaches against that. We're never, listen to me, saints, and I, like I said, I don't believe anybody here does this, but, um, but we're, just, we're just teaching and preaching here in James, and this is kind of where we're at. So, but, but, but we can never, we should never and must never criticize or put somebody down are, are condes look condescendingly on somebody because of uh, they may not be a little bit may not quite be as well off as we are or, or, or because of the clothes they wear or because of how much money they have or because of the color of their skin or anything else. Are you listening to me? Amen. Prejudice and favoritism will uh, absolutely destroy the unity of the church and we have to have unity. Everybody's got to love everybody. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. James talks about that a little later. That's the royal, that's the royal law is loving our neighbor as ourselves. So when we look at something and we say, or someone, and we say we either like them or dislike them by their appearance, 
then that, according to the Scripture, is wrong. Boy, it's a little bit quiet tonight, but, the, but, but I think you'll agree with me. We either, we either flatter someone or we criticize someone or gossip about someone because of, because of how they appear or what their appearance says to us. And we shouldn't do that. Whether it's flattery or criticism, you know the difference, don't you? Amen. Flattery is what people say to you to your face, but they won't say it behind your back. Gossip and criticism is what people won't say to your face, but they will say behind your back. Amen. <laughs> and uh, so we can't flatter or criticize or talk about somebody or run somebody down simply because of their outward appearance. And that's what James is saying here. And the Bible tells us over and over that God is no respecter of person. Amen. Amen. And I tell you what, saints of God, I'm glad that he's not a respecter of person. I'm glad that he's, not, that he's not accepting me or loving me or blessing me because, uh, you know, of, of what I am in the, uh, what my social status or what my bank account or anything else is, praise God. He's not a respecter person. He'll do the same thing for, for, a, for a poor person as he will for a wealthy or well-to-do person. If But we all got to come in the same gate and the same door in the same way. Amen. And that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, do not have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect to persons. So he immediately prohibits any kind of prejudice, partiality, any of that within the body of Christ. He says, don't do that. And then he talks about the problem of that partiality that was in that early church. And he talks about, uh, in verse number 2, he gives a scenario of what, ha what was happening in some of the assemblies in that day and uh, what was going on in some of the churches in that day. And in verse number 2, he says this, For if there was, su su just suppose, James says, just suppose that there comes into your assembly are into your church service a man with a gold ring and wearing goodly apparel. And then there also comes in to your church service or your assembly a poor man wearing vile. The King James says vile remnant. And that, that, that word vile means dirty, shabby, unclean, maybe a homeless person or a homeless individual. But he gives this scenario here of two different individuals coming in. And he said, and you have respect to him that wears the fine clothing. And you say to him, oh, we, we're glad you're here. We got a special seat in the house for you. We want you. Yeah, you know, there, was, there, was, there were different, there were seats of honor that were in those synagogues and stuff in those early days. Jesus talked about those 
Pharisees that desired the chief seats, you know, in the synagogue. And here comes this guy, and he's got on, you know, he's got on a, a you know, the, the fine clothes and, and the gold rings and all that. And so they, they put him in a place of honor. And so he, 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 this, what was happening was they were judging according to appearance, how things looked. They were judging according to, you know, and showing partiality to that poor man come in and he's put him over in a corner somewhere. Said, we don't want you, you know, you, you just sit back there. You know, you, he, looked, he, he had on shabby clothes, probably a homeless, a poor person, dirt under his fingernails, dirty clothes, hair messed up, not a very, maybe, maybe not a very good smelling individual. And so they stuck him off to the side somewhere. And James said that this was wrong to do that. He said, this man comes in with gold rings. Now, now, gold rings. Now, gold was a sign of wealth in those days. And when I was studying this, I thought it was very interesting that, that, that the wealthier the person was, the more rings they would wear on their hand. There was, they would wear gold rings, and uh, they would wear gold rings on every finger, except the middle finger. I don't know what the deal was with that, but every finger, in some fingers, they would, they would put just all kinds of rings. But what they were doing was flaunting their wealth, and they were letting everybody know that they were, they were, that they were somebody. They were, they were, they were, uh, they were special, that they had the bucks, that they had the money. And he talked about the fine clothing. And he said they would wear the fine clothing, you know, that it means that word, that word fine, or as the King James says, that word gay, means gorgeous, brilliant, magnificent. I mean, he comes in, this guy comes in to the church service wearing an Armani suit or a heart shaft or Mark's suit or something like that, you know, I mean, he didn't get this thing at Value City. Come on, somebody. Amen. I really hated to see Value City closed down because that's where I got all my suits at. I could get, a, I could get them, you know, really cheap. Amen. But, uh, but this guy, man, he's got designer clothing and he's got designer shoes and he's dressed up and he's wearing expensive clothing. And so when he comes in, everybody knows he's somebody. Everybody knows. Is there anything wrong with wearing um, a nice suit of clothes. No, there's nothing. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is this. We don't accept or reject anybody by the way they come in dressed. Amen. We don't accept or make over somebody because they may be dressed nicer than somebody else. And that's what this word is teaching us and James is teaching us that everybody in Christ, that listen, the ground is level at the cross and in Christ everybody is the same. Amen. There's neither rich and there's neither poor. There's not bond. There's there's not free. There's neither male nor female. We are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And we got to treat one another that way and love one and not, not, not show favoritism to the individual with the gold rings and the fancy clothes and cast aside the one that doesn't have those things. Amen. After church one day, 
read this little story, guy, guys, what they're driving home from church, and the wife asked the husband, said, did you see Sister Jones's hat today? He said, no, I didn't pay, didn't, didn't pay, never noticed it, didn't pay attention to it. She said, you didn't? He said, no. So what about Sister Smith? Did you see her new dress and new shoes and new purse that she had today? No telling how much that cost. Did you see that today? And the husband said, no, I didn't, didn't notice it today. She said, well, I don't even know why you go to church. You don't get anything out of it. <laughs> well, I don't go to church. I don't go to church to see what somebody's wearing and what somebody's got on. You know, I, I, I wear a suit, try to wear a suit every Sunday, but uh, they're, they're, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, they're not Armani suits and they're not Hart Shafter Mark. You know, my wife used to make Hart Shafter Mark suits. She worked for Thorngates and Cape, and they used to have a, they had a, uh, um, a, a thrift, I guess it's a thrift store, a discount store downtown on Broadway. You could get them pretty cheap. But, uh, you know, I don't, I don't I, if I get a suit, I get it on sale. I get it off the sale rack at Kohl's somewhere, you know, amen? Are you listening to me? Yes, Praise God. Yes. Somebody told me to go to that Joseph A. Banks. Said, you know, they had that thing said, buy one, get one free. And I said, man, that sounds like a deal. And I went in there and looked at one. One, one was $600. And I said, no, thank you. Yeah. Amen. But I, but I try to wear, wear a, a, a suit every week. Some preachers don't do that anymore, and I don't, you know, that's okay, whatever, the, whatever they want to do. But I try to wear a suit every week, and I try to figure out wear something different every Sunday. And my wife said, oh, nobody's going to know what you wore last week. Nobody's going to pay any attention. And I don't know. So that, that sister that I just talked about might be there, you know. Amen. But praise God, but we're not, we're not judging people by what they wear or their clothes or their wealth or their bank account. We got to love everybody and treat everybody the same. And so this guy comes in with a fine, fine suit, gold rings. It's apparent that he's got money. And then the other guy comes in with dirty clothes, vile remnant. He hasn't bathed. There's dirt under his fingernails. His, his shoes are wore out. They're filthy. They're dirty. And uh, you can tell by looking at him that he isn't worth much. But, oh, listen to me. And I, I, I just want to get this point over. Listen to me tonight, saints, that in the eyes of God, if both those men are saved, yes. God sees no difference in them. Amen. He loves that poor man just as much as he does that wealthy man. He'll bless that poor man just as much. Are you listening to me? There, God looks on that heart and he has no respect to a person. He'll answer the prayer of that poor man just the same as he'll answer the prayer of that rich man if he prays in faith, believing, if they're hearts are right with the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. You know, Mahatma Gandhi was, uh, you know, the, one of the Hindu leaders in Israel, and I was reading that, that he actually, he wanted to help the people of India so much 
And, and he actually began reading the Bible and reading the Gospels and studying Christianity. And he felt like that Christianity, the, that Jesus Christ and Christianity was what the people of India needed. And so he went to a church. He went to a, to a Christian church. And the story said that when he came in, an usher met him uh, before he was even seated. An usher met him and said, told him that he was not welcome there that that church was only for Europeans, that it was only for a certain people, and that Mr. Gandhi couldn't come in there. And he left that place and, and became the Hindu leader of, of, of India. Amen? And, and Gandhi made the statement. He said, Gandhi said this. He said, I would have become a Christian had it not been for Christians. Oh, man, help us, Jesus. Yes, See, it is important how we treat people. It is important how we, how we respond to people. We've got to love them. Come on, somebody. Amen? Hallelujah. And so, so the Lord gives his appraisal there in, in that fourth verse, and he says, Are you not then partial of yourself, and you've become judges of evil thoughts so when we make those distinctions and we place people in different categories and we, we, we like them or dislike them because of the way they look, we are sinning. Hallelujah. Now, I don't, you know, this is just, just good old downright Bible teaching. It's practical living, Christian life. Amen. Let me read you something. How many is familiar with uh, Jim Simbla? Familiar with Jim Simbla? Anybody ever heard the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir sing? That's Jim Simbla's church is the Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York. His wife um, is the director of that choir. But anyway, there's a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. If you've never read that book, you need to read that book because it's an awesome book of how God sent him to this, this part of Brooklyn, slummy part of Brooklyn, so many home, homeless people there, drug addicts, and, and sent him there to a church that was just about near nothing. And how through prayer God built that church up. And he got a great church there today. People are getting saved all the time, and God's just really moving. But... Um, it was Easter Sunday a few years ago, and uh, he tells this story that on Easter Sunday, he said they'd had several services that day, uh, that morning, and he was so tired at the end of the day that he said, "All I, I, I just wanted to sit on the edge of the platform. And he said, I went and sat on the edge of the platform, pulled my tie down, and I sat down and draped my feet over the edge. He said it was a wonderful service with many people coming forward. The counselors were talking with these people. And he says, as I was sitting there, I looked up the middle aisle, and there in about the third row was a man who looked to be about 50, disheveled and filthy. He looked up at me rather sheepishly as if saying, could I talk to you? We have homeless people coming in all the time asking for money or whatever. So as I sat there, I said to myself, though I am ashamed of it, what a way to end a Sunday. I've had such a good time preaching and ministering, and here's a fellow probably wanting some money for some more wine. 
He walked up, and when he got within about five feet of me, he said, I smelled a horrible smell like I'd never smelled in my life. It was so awful that when he got close, I would inhale by looking away, and then I would turn to talk to him, and then look away to inhale because I couldn't inhale facing him because of the stench. He said, I asked him, what's your name? And he said, David. I said, how long have you been on the street? Six years. How old are you? 32. And he looked to be 50. Hair matted. Front teeth were missing. A wino. Eyes slightly glazed. Where'd you sleep last night, David? He said, in an abandoned truck. Brother Simla said, I kept in my back pocket a money clip and also had some credit cards and I fumbled to pick pick one out thinking I'll just give him some money. I won't even get a volunteer. They are busy talking to others and usually we don't give money to people. We take them to get something to eat. But he said, I took money out to give to him and he said, David pushed his finger in front of me and he said, I don't want your money. He said, I want this Jesus. I want this Jesus, the one you were talking about, because I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die on the streets. He said, I completely forgot about David and started to weep for myself. I was going to give a couple of dollars to someone God had sent to me. See how easy it is? I could make the excuse that I was tired, but there is no excuse. I was not seeing him the way God sees him. See, here it is. I was not seeing him the way God sees him. I was not feeling what God feels. But oh, did that change? It did. David just stood there. He didn't know what was happening. I pleaded with God, God forgive me, please forgive me, please forgive me. I'm so sorry to represent you this way. I'm so sorry. Here I am with my message and my points, and here you send somebody, and I'm not ready for it. Oh, God, help me. And he said, something came over me, and suddenly I started to weep even deeper, and David began to weep, and he fell against my chest as I was sitting there. He fell against my white shirt and tie. And I put my arms around him, and there we wept on each other. And the smell of his, perfect, of his person became a beautiful aroma. Here is, here's what I thought the Lord made real to me. And here's what the Lord spoke to him. He said, if you don't love this smell, I can't use you. Because this is why I called you where you are. This is what you are about. You are about this smell. And Christ changed David's life that day. He started memorizing portions of Scripture that were incredible. We got him a place to live. We hired him in the church to do maintenance. And we got his teeth fixed. And he had a handsome, uh, he was a handsome man when he came out of the hospital. They detoxed him in six days. He spent that Thanksgiving at my house. And we also spent, Chris, he spent Christmas at my house. And when we were exchanging presents, he pulled out a little thing and said, This is for you. And it was just a little white hanky, a little white handkerchief. And it was the only thing that he could afford. But listen to this. A year later, David got up. A year later, David got up 
to talk about his conversion to Christ. And the minute he took the mic and began to speak, I said, this man is a preacher. And this past Easter, we ordained David, and he is an associate minister of a church over in New Jersey. And I was so close to saying, here, take this, I'm a busy preacher, but we can get so full of ourselves that we forget about everybody else. Amen. Amen. That basically is what James is teaching here. Praise God that we have got to love those and and treat them the way that God would treat us. Amen. That's what God is looking for in our lives today. Amen. Everybody is somebody when Jesus Christ is their Lord. Can I get an amen? Everybody. And, and see, these are the people that Jesus came to die for. He didn't just come to die for the, for the high and mighty and the rich, the aristocrat, but he came to die for every man. Listen, listen, listen. And it doesn't matter. We all, we all are the same in the sight of God, and we all have to come the same way through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the problem with partiality. But praise God that it's all level ground at the cross. And when the Lord looks at us, He looks on our heart, and that's the way we have to look at others, the way the Lord would look at us. And He said something here, and I'm going to close with this. James said something here in verse number 5. He said, Hearken, my beloved brethren, has not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which He has promised to them that love Him. But you have despised the poor. Abraham Lincoln said God must have loved the common people because He sure did make an awful lot of them. Amen. I have to agree with that. I say amen to that. And so most, and, and you know, we realize that most of God's work is carried on just by common, ordinary folks that God has saved Paul talked about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and he said, there's not many mighty or many noble that are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world and the base things and the things that are not to confound the things that are, are that, that are, and, and the foolish to confound the wise. And when I read those scriptures every time, I think, praise God, I found myself. When he goes to talking about foolish things and base things and, and, and common things, I found myself. Amen. And you know why God chooses those kind of people to do his work? He said so that no flesh would be able to glory in his presence. So that none of us can say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a great preacher because I have a great education. I'm not against any preacher getting an education. I'm, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not against that. But, but it just, I don't know if I were to say this or not, it kind of turns me off when they put all those D, THDs behind their name and say, I'm now doctor this and doctor that. Because it's like, you know, well, I'm depending upon my theological degree. That makes me something or that makes me special or that makes me somebody. But you know what? That doesn't make us anything. 
Hallelujah. Paul said, my preaching and my speech when I came to you was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but I came to you in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's the way we've got to be tonight. We're just common people, thank God. And you know, if God wants to save a millionaire and put him in an abundant life family church or two or three, whatever, that's fine. But we won't treat them any different than we'd treat the poorest of the poor that would be a part of that church, this church as well. Amen? That actually did happen. I'm close. I'm hushing. That actually did happen to an Assembly of God church in, in Louisville, Kentucky some years ago. They were going through a financial struggle. They were needing revival. They were needing help financially. They, they couldn't pay their salaries of their staff. And anyway, they got together at a prayer meeting and uh, they, they were praying for God to meet their need. And God moved on them and asked, they asked the Lord, they prayed that God would save a millionaire in their church to help them financially. Wow. Now this is, this is the true story. And uh, that Sunday... That next, I think it was that next Sunday. It might not have been exactly that next Sunday. But just a Sunday or two later, on Sunday morning, do you know who walked in to that Assembly of God Church in Louisville, Kentucky, walked to the altar, gave their heart and life to Jesus Christ, and got born again? Colonel Harlan Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken Man. Amen. That's honest to God's truth. Amen. Got saved. The Lord drew him there. He got under conviction, came to that altar and got born again. And he told that, you know, he told that pastor, he said, and I believe the pastor, Bob Rogers is there now, and I believe it was Bob Rogers' father, I believe, or maybe grandfather. But anyway, he told that pastor, he said, he said, you know, my mom and dad taught me right. He said, I've drifted away. I've got away from God, and God's brought me back to him. And, and, and this pastor, didn't say anything to him about, about finances or money, but he said, my parents taught me that I needed to give um, a tenth of all of my income to the work of God. And he began to tie, well, needless to say, that church came out of their, their, their financial problems right quick. But, but the thing was, they didn't treat him any different than they did anybody else. God loves everybody, and we're all on the same level, and we can't have any respect to persons for anybody. Amen? No matter whether they're homeless, no matter who they are, we got to love them. We got to pray for them. We got to lead them to Jesus. Praise God. That's what it's all about. Give me a church. Listen, I don't want a church full of snobs. Give us, give us people that love other people. Give us the poor. Bring in the poor. He said, God has chosen the poor who are rich in faith. Isn't that what he said? That's what James said. He's chosen the poor who are rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of God. Whew. I'm glad that you don't have to, that you can't buy your way into heaven. I'm glad that salvation isn't for sale. I'm glad it's a free gift, hallelujah, because if it wasn't, I'd be out in the cold. Hallelujah. Amen, let's stand.